years ago, I had a friend who traveled to England and uh, they thought it would be kind of neat to bring me back a gift. Now, they know that as a pastor, things can sometimes get fairly stressful. And you know how they have those stress balls where they're able to, uh, you have this ball and you can just squeeze it and it sort of helps relieve stress. Well, he thought it was pretty funny when he went through a store and instead of finding a stress ball, he found a stress Paul. Well, this stress Paul, as I was looking at the packaging, actually, I just looked at it more uh, thoroughly just as I was preparing for this message. And it says, don't get stressed, take it out on Paul. And it was some place created it called Suck UK. I'm not sure, but just below the UPC symbol, it says Dead Paul 1. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but one of the things I do realize about this as a, as a gift is that it's very unique. Now, this is, I think, Paul, purple Pauls uh, in a fetal position, and, and you can squeeze him however you want as you get stressed and as you find things that get challenging and difficult, and sometimes it's just a little squeeze, but sometimes life brings the really tough squeeze and you just sort of want to pull your head right off, and as much as I've tried, this just keeps coming back into the same shape over and over again. And so you get to come back at it again when you feel stressed one more time. Now, that's a very unique thing because as we start a new series uh, referring to the resilient church, resiliency is exactly like this uh, little figurine. Because part of the definition of resiliency is uh, the ability of a substance or an object to spring back into shape, uh, elasticity. And that's exactly what this is. This is a resilient thing and it doesn't matter how hard you squeeze it, it always goes back into the fetal position of Paul. And so uh, as I also look at the definition of resiliency, it's the capacity to uh, uh, recover quickly from difficulties or challenges. Well, I, I'm not sure about you, but this past year, I have been filled with difficulties and challenges, as I'm sure you have as well. Uh, personal resilience during COVID is something where you need to take stock in. And it wasn't until as I sat down and thought about this past year, did I really realize how deeply impactful COVID was. It wasn't long ago, somebody would ask, how are you doing during COVID? And I would say, you know what? We're doing really well. We're very resilient. But as I think about it, and as I reflect back, uh, there's a lot of loss that comes with COVID, isn't there? There's a lot of loss. Now, we've just gone through our second Easter uh, being locked down. And that wasn't a lot of fun. And some were not able to have family together. Some were not able to have their friends together. And as a result, it made the season a little bit less enjoyable. Now, granted, we were still able to take the services in online. We were still able to worship God and know the reason for the Easter season. But the fact still remains it was different. Uh, last year at this time, we were heading into my daughter's graduation, grade 12 graduation, which didn't happen at all. We got to see something online, but it wasn't her walking down across the stage receiving her diploma. Uh, she actually got it in the mail. Uh, that was a loss. Uh, summer came and went, and there was no vacation trips down to the States that we go to see Julie's family. Uh, September rolls around, October rolls around, Thanksgiving comes, and again, we're still in lockdown. It's, there's not a lot of people allowed out, not a lot, a lot of people allowed in. You had to have your little bubble. 
Then Christmas rolls around and there was a complete lockdown where we weren't even able to have some of our close family uh, with us, my son. And then you come into January, and as January hits you, you're a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more optimistic because, you know, the vaccines are coming and you realize, okay, this is, we're seeing the end of this as we've just finishing off the second wave. And lo and behold, here we are in wave three, and it's actually worse than before. And we're locked down again. And as I look back and as I reflect back, there's a lot of loss that has taken place. And not only in loss, but some people have been really struggling where they not only feel loss of events and key uh, people in their lives, they've also lost people to death. Uh, some to COVID, some to just natural causes, and some to a variety of different reasons, but they still experience loss and couldn't even have a proper funeral. And people are still waiting to have funerals for their loved ones. There has been a need for personal resiliency as we've walked through this very challenging time. And I'd like to say we're, we're on the end stretch of it, and I hope we are. But you know what? The fact is, is that at the end of this, we've got to try to figure out how can we be resilient in the midst of that in our own personal lives. And then, as a pastor, I've got to look at our corporate lives, our church how has our church been affected by this? Well, we've had many uh, months and a year of not meeting together as a large group. Uh, in the last fall, we got to meet at least in some small groups uh, in our microchurches. But for the most part, it just wasn't the same, was it? And we've had uh, the prayer stations come up just before Easter. And for some people that came and experienced that, they, they were overwhelmed by being able to be back in the building again for the first time in over a year. There's something there that is just really challenging. Resilience is a much needed character trait that we must all have to make it through challenging times. We need to have resiliency, the ability to bounce back, the ability to, to take back our original form. Uh, and, you know, not only COVID, but in, just in the challenges of life alone. It can be hard. It can be challenging. And so that's one of the reasons why we want to take these next eight weeks to head into this series of the Resilient Church. How can we be resilient in the midst of challenges and difficulties, not just COVID, but in any of the situations? And we picked the book of Acts because it's perfect. As the, the young church started out, there was a lot of opposition. There was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of challenges that that early church met. A lot of the leaders met challenges and they needed to be resilient. And out of those, out of the next eight weeks, we're going to look at some of the traits that resiliency brings into our life and some of the things that help us to be more resilient as we look at those. And because, you know, to realize that, you know, the church is really God's master plan for his vision of seeing people come to Christ. The church is God's plan A. And we've said before, and I've said many times, there is no plan B. So we had better get this right. We had better make sure we recognize that as we become more and more resilient and we work really hard at, at seeking after God, God's purpose for his church will continue to play out. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells Peter, he says, And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Well, sometimes as we go through challenges, it sure does feel like this isn't going to make it, isn't it? It makes it feel like this is going to be really, really tough. And, and uh, later on in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9, we read this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, 
but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, that's the perfect verse here when we talk about resiliency. It's the idea that resiliency doesn't take us out of the situation, but resiliency helps us to go through the situation, to go through the challenge and come out the other end, maintaining our form, maintaining our faith, maintaining our walk with God. Persecution will come as it did in the early church and we'll see here at the beginning of Acts just how early that persecution happened. Now, just to give you a little bit of framework before we get into our uh, chapter 4 of Acts, uh, we read in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus, uh, as he met with a lot of people after he came back to life again, and we just came through Easter and uh, the celebration of Jesus coming back to life and his resurrection, uh, here we see in Acts 1 where Jesus ascends back up into heaven. And he promises uh, the Holy Spirit, he promises the paraclete to come and to be a support for us. And in Acts chapter 2, we see that Holy Spirit come upon the early church. And uh, it's a promised Holy Spirit to help us, to be our helper uh, in difficult times. And then in uh, Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John coming to the temple. And as they come, uh, they meet this man who's been brought to the uh, temple at the gate. Uh, and what he's doing there is he's begging because he can't walk. He's a lame man who's been born lame. He was never able to walk. And Peter comes up to him and, and as he's begging for money, he says, I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. And he heals him right there. Well, you've got to imagine that caused quite the stir among the crowd there as they watch this man who they've seen come day after day after day uh, come to that, that gate only to beg and now he's standing. He's able to stand. He's able to walk. He's able to move for the very first time in his entire life. And the crowds begin to gather around and as they're gathering around, Peter stands up and he starts sharing the good news. He starts sharing the news of Jesus who was crucified but came back to life again, how he was resurrected and how he is the Messiah and that people need to come and believe in the word of God. And then we find ourselves in chapter 4, which is where I want us to look at briefly uh, just now. And it says here in 4 verses 1 to 7, it says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, uh, teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do you do this? You see, here they are. They're facing the first part of persecution. They were, put, they were arrested and put into jail for just simply helping a man and healing him and being able to share the message that they had. Now understand that for the Sadducees that were here as they're talking about, the Sadducees did not like the fact that these unlearned men were teaching anyone because they shouldn't have been. That was their job. But secondly, they were teaching about the resurrection from the dead and they simply did not believe that and they didn't want this being professed out there so that others would believe that. 
But as the crowd was gathering, the, the story tells us a little earlier or a little later in chapter 3 that many people came to saving faith in Jesus as they started to see the miracles and started to hear the message. And they definitely didn't want anything to do with that. So what does Peter do is he comes to them and he starts sharing with them. And it says here in verse 8 to 12, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Wow, Peter was able to cut through that. Now, I, I don't know if he was nervous or if he was scared, but the one thing I do notice is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was able to let the facts speak for themselves, wasn't he? He was able to tell the people there, the, the religious leaders there, um, after a night in prison, after being brought before the Sanhedrin the next day, was that he was able to, to help them realize that, yeah, he did blame them for Jesus' uh, crucifixion, but that he praised God for Jesus' resurrection, but that he also identifies that salvation is found in no one else, in no other name. These are bold statements. These are bold statements for a young man like Peter to be sharing to the religious leaders. And I think most people would have been terrified to be able to do that, but he had a boldness about him. And I think it helps us to realize what the first tool that God gives us to help us to be resilient. And that is the Holy Spirit. The very first thing that Peter says here in, in uh, verse 8 of chapter 4, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, you see, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us to help us through the day-to-day, -to, -day, to help us through making it through the day-to-day -day stuff when it, things get hard, to give us wisdom, to give us comfort, to give us power, and in here to give us words to share the very powerful message. And so Peter was able, with the filling of the Holy Spirit, to be able to then proclaim boldly before these religious leaders something that he really believed himself. And as he was sharing those things, uh, the one thing that came to mind is that when we look at the Holy Spirit, how do we depend on the Holy Spirit? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our own lives? Now, when I first came to Christ, I uh, went on a missions trip. I think I had only been a Christian for about, about a year. And I was encouraged to go on a missions trip. And I was made a junior leader uh, because I had leadership abilities and I was more than happy to do that. But there were 50 of us that went on a choir tour uh, through the Caribbean. And I know that sounds rough, uh, but it really was. There was, it was a, it was a bit tough. Um, and as we were there, one of the things, we, we lived in this compound uh, for a two-week period of time. We were there for a month, but in two weeks, we were there in this one compound. And we started noticing that as we were going out, we were doing door-to-door -door evangelism, sharing our faith, uh, being able to share tracts, using the Jesus video, there became some opposition to what we were doing. The community was, was really pushing back a little bit, at least some of the people in the community. And it came so much so that people found out where we were staying. And uh, in this compound, we ate there, we slept there. And uh, one, of the, one person from the community came and, and took the refrigerator that we were using to store all of our food. 
They actually emptied all the refrigerator items out, put it on the counter, and took the refrigerator, even though we, ple we pled with them, please don't take this. This is the only way we're going to keep our, our food cold, because in the Caribbean it's really hot. Well, without the fridge, we knew that the food was not going to last long. And so the leaders gathered together and gathered us junior leaders together, and we began to pray. And understand, this is my very first experience as we've walked through this. And we began to pray, and we were praying, and I'm just thinking in my head going, we're praying that God would answer, but really what we need is a fridge. How come we're not going out trying to find a fridge? And one of the guys there was just sharing that you just can't find a fridge anywhere, especially one large enough for all of our stuff. And so we just kept praying. And I was praying and I was asking the Holy Spirit to step into this and help us. And um, I did notice that off in the distance, I heard a vehicle. Now, we were out in the middle of nowhere, as I said. And so this vehicle either was, was going to pass us by or was coming right to our place. And lo and behold, it actually came to our place. In the midst of the time we were praying, this gentleman came in, in a truck. And as we watched this truck come in, we noticed it had something in the, in the back bed. And as it came in, we realized what it was. It was a refrigerator. And this fridge was coming and we're like saying to the guy, how did you know we needed a fridge? And he said the Holy Spirit prompted him to bring a fridge. He said, I had no idea why. He said, I had no idea what was needed, but I'm obedient to the Spirit and I do what the Spirit calls me to do. And so here's this fridge. Well, I have to tell you, as a 16-year-old new believer in Christ, that stuck with me for the whole, my whole life. That idea that the Holy Spirit is a powerful source, that in the midst of our circumstances of difficulties, of challenges, the Holy Spirit can orchestrate things and bring things to happen that will help us in our time of need. Well, here we see that the Holy Spirit gave Peter the power and the authority to speak. And then as we look in verse 13 and on to 22, it says this, when they, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the men uh, who had been healing standing there with them, uh, they said nothing because there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. What are we going to do about with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges." As for us, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was, with, who was miraculously healed, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. You see what happened here is the Holy Spirit did a miracle in Peter and John's life. And it was noticed by the religious leaders where they said when they re saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. The Holy Spirit has the ability to do that in our lives, to help us in the time of need, to help us when we need that help. How do we do in the midst of difficulties? Do we try to figure it out ourselves? Because that's what I do. 
I'm a fixer and I try to do things on my own and it's only after I've tried and tried and tried and if it doesn't work that I then go to God and I ask the Holy Spirit to help. And the reality is, is God's going, when will you learn, Paul? If you just come to me, I can help you from the beginning instead of you spinning your wheels. Here we see um, the Holy Spirit giving these men tremendous faith. My son Tyler has been working through the book of Acts and when he knew that I was preaching about this, he wanted to make sure that he shared with me a really important part of this chapter 4. And that was the idea that, that Peter and John had fearless faith. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to have fearless faith because the Holy Spirit filled them, took away all their fear and allowed their faith to be triumphant in their life instead of their fear. And so as we walk through that, let me encourage you, do you want fearless faith? Do you want to be able to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? The reality is all it is, is that all we have to do is to ask. All we have to do is to seek. All we have to do is to pursue the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help us in our situation and in our time so that we too can have a fearless faith. The second tool that God gives us is found here in verse 23. And it reads this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reporting that all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then they continued to lift God's name on high. You see, the second tool that we are given is prayer. And I know that that sounds really Christian language and it sounds uh, like that's a pat answer. But when we go through difficulties and when we go through storms and we, when we go through challenges, the, the fact is, is that prayer is a very important part. Prayer needs to play a very important part in our walk with God in that way. Because really, uh, they're left to praise God and they're left to, to worship God, but it helps them to remember the things that God has done. And if we pray the way God has called us to pray, we would realize that we're reminded of how God, how good God is, how great God is, how powerful he is, and that it puts into perspective that no matter what circumstance we're going through, God is still greater than any of those things. To the point that in verse 29 and 30, it says, Now, Lord, as they continue to pray, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You see, it all ties in together. That when we're praying and seeking out God and when we're inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives, He fills us. He helps us to become resilient. Individuals and resilient as a body, a church. And here we see some really important things. And as, I, as we come through this year of COVID, one of the things I just really think is important for us is that we take time to pray. And so near the end of April, we're going to do a week of prayer. And as we do this week of prayer, we're going to spend time praying 24 hours a day for some of the days. We're going to spend time praying for people that have struggles and challenges. We're going to invite people to maybe come into the building. We're going to give you things at home to pray about. We're going to make prayer a very important part over this next uh, time of, of in God's Word and, and uh, these next few weeks. Because we think it's important to help us to be resilient, to face through some of the really difficult things that people are going through. 
And then lastly, let me just share this last little bit here. The, the third tool that God gives us to be resilient uh, for us as a church is our community. The third tool is the power of, of community, the power of a united church. And it says here in verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And here I think uh, we realize that as they gathered together and as they were feeling the pressure of persecution or the feeling the pressure of challenge and struggle, they drew closer together. It's the Bible tells us that they were one in heart and in mind. Do you know that over this past year, since September actually, since our fiscal year, we have been able to rally around one another in financial support and in prayer support? Did you know that as a church, we have actually supported people in our church and in our community to the tune of $35,000 just in that alone since September? Our church gets it. We get it. We understand as we come to this place of challenge that there is an opportunity for us to meet needs. And <clears throat> persecution and challenge create needs and the church needs to be the first to meet those needs. And we are going to continue to do that. And we look forward to how God is going to be able to use that. And let me just say this. If you're struggling personally, if you're struggling as a family, don't feel like you have to suffer alone. Let us reach out. Reach out to us. Let us help you. Let us come alongside and be the church in your life so that you too can be resilient in the midst of it because God never intended for you to do that alone. And so those are the things. One, we need to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Two, we need to make sure that we continue to be praying diligently and seeking God. And third, we need to be in power of community and united church working out our mission so that we are able to see God do some amazing, amazing things. In the last part of, of uh, Acts chapter 5, we read something really important, and I'll close with this. Uh, here we meet in verse 33 of chapter 5, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is a teacher of the law, and he was honored by all the people, and he stood up in the Sanhedrin, and he really wanted to challenge them. And this is one of the things that he, that he says. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And I share that with you because over 2,000 years later, our church is still alive and well, powerful in, in the world, and God is still at work. God's purpose is still at work and he's still moving. It didn't fail. It carried on and grew stronger and stronger and stronger. We are part of God's plan to make a difference in this world. And we will do that as we become resilient, as we become uh, faithfully able to seek after him, no matter how much we may stretch, no matter how much we may get pulled, no matter how much we get squished. Let's be resilient so that we become back into the original shape that we're in so that we can serve God another day. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you so much that you are a faithful God. That in the midst of our struggles and in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of the things that we uh, are wrestling with, whether it be health, whether it be physical or mental or emotional or spiritual, that God, you are there and you want to meet us there. And you want, us to, help, you want to help us be resilient, Father. 
And we know challenges will come. We know persecution will, will come. We know that, that difficulties will come our way. But Lord, help us to stand firm. Help us with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in us. May we see that power alive and well in our life. Would you unleash that in our life through your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to diligently seek you out in prayer? And would you help us to be a, a church that rallies around and cares for one another so that we might be able to help each other through these difficult times? Thank you for resiliency. Thank you for what it teaches us. Thank you for the things that help us to become resilient. And may we give you all the glory and you all the praise, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us here. And I know as we begin this new series, one of the things I really hope for us is that we would seek God in the midst of the difficulties and the challenges we face. God wants us to be resilient. God wants us to be strong. And so that even though we may find ourselves in challenging places, we're not uh, overcome. We're not completely wiped out. We're not struck down. But that we continue to be resilient. And so I just hope that if there's anything that we as a church can do to help you, please let us know. Or maybe you're here and you're watching for the first time and you don't even know what church is all about. We would love to share with you what Southridge is all about and how we are a local expression of God's greater church. We would love to chat with you further. Just reach out to us in our, on our website, southridgefellowship.ca. There's lots of information there about our church, but we'd love to connect with you. There's a connect card there. Use it. Let us reach out to you and, and touch base with you and just help you understand what a local church can do in your life and in the life of your family as well. We hope you have a great week. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.